you are listening to Chomping at the Bits, the only podcast on the Sword Chomp network with blast processing. Wait, we have old video cards here? Yeah, Se- we got sound, tons of them. It's it's a real term. It's not made up. We did not make it up. Well, we didn't make it up. The companies who made it up made it up, and it meant nothing. Yeah, uh, it's really uh, advertising is a beauty. I'm Rich Meister, joined uh, today by one Raymond McGill. Ray, what's up? Hey, I'm a little confused. I thought this was a podcast about old video games. It is. But... Wait, why does it say here that we're covering this movie series? I, uh, ben Schwartz is here. He's in the house. Uh, listen, here's the thing. We had... Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> technically, oh, I'm oh, homeless. Oh, um, oh, you're lying. You yeah, got me excited for nothing. It's a lie. It's a li- Just like the blast processing, it's a lie. Um, we had a <laughs> conversation upstairs... Uh, where I was like, hey, we do this retro show, I want to talk more about Mario. And then they were like, but you haven't talked about the other guy. And I was like, we talk about Luigi all the time. And they said, no, the other guy. And I was like, Wario, I'd love that. And they I said, love talking about Wario. No, the other guy. And I said, Waluigi? I, I, that sounds fucking amazing. Count me in. Uh, but they were talking about Sonic? Wait, the character, the, again, the movie character. The, the film character Sonic, yeah. The guy who fights yeah. Jim Carrey. Yeah, it also, I think he made a guest appearance in Smash Brothers. Yeah, he hangs out with Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, so wait, are you trying to tell me that Sonic the Hedgehog, the Ben Schwartz-voiced character, has he, video games? Did you know he, they, had a vi- he had two video games in the 90s? Wait, in the, wait, these aren't even tie-ins to the movie? No, they have nothing to do with it. Okay, and this, the, joke is, this joke has gone on for too this long. This joke it doesn't have legs. Um... Yeah, we're here to talk today about uh, Sega Genesis Classic, uh, one of two of the four good games for the Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. We wanted to get Shay to be here so someone could talk positively about it, but I mean, these are the two Sonic games that are good, to be fair, and we couldn't even allow Eric to be here because having three people just shitting on it just seems unfair. It's it's just not... Yeah, just wait until the... A future episode where we cover Sonic Three and Knuckles, and it's basically just going to be a shit fest. We should just we're, allow everyone on. We're gonna, yeah. There's gonna be six of us for that episode. Just, just it, it's like a support group for people who had to get over playing that game. If we did get everyone who's ever been on this show uh, or is on the other shows, it would be like six people total to just take a dump on them. Uh, but yeah, that's not why we're here today. Uh, we're today, here to talk about the decent one. We're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog 1. We'll start there. It uh, was released for the Sega Genesis and the Mega, Mega Drive in June of 1991 in North America and PAL regions and Japan the following month. Wait, so this actually came out first in America? Yes, it did. The original oh. Sonic the Hedgehog launched a month early um, in America. And a big, a big part of that, actually, if we want to slightly jump ahead to kind of what fueled all that stuff is in the late 80s early 90s sega was kind of in dire straits nothing um exactly exactly that's a good that's a joke for three people um i thought it was i thought it was really funny um sega sort of had i'm not sorry not sega nintendo uh basically had a stranglehold on american markets especially 
Uh, it was hard for Sega to even get their stuff into retailers, and the product was good, meaning the Genesis was a good piece of hardware for the time, but the games just kind of weren't there. The Genesis was shipping with Altered Beast, which is not the best that game, game. is fucking terrible, actually. Yeah, yeah it turns out, Alex Kidd wasn't setting the world on fire. Yeah, I would argue Alex Kidd is also pretty bad. Oh, Alex Kidd sucks. Uh, but also, I think a bigger problem of it, too, was, like, Nintendo is shipping their stuff with Mario. Altered Beast is, like, the least family-friendly-looking game to ship your console with. Yeah, and... Especially coming off the heels of the 80s and, like, the satanic panic. Satanic panic, and just also, it just, again, the quality of the game. Like, when you're shipping a console with Mario... Like, that's a quality game. Pretty much no matter which Mario you're shipping it with. And really, let's be honest, it was the double dose of Super Mario 1 and Duck Hunt. And then, yeah. you know, any other pack-ins. And, you know, Sega just didn't really have a character that could really measure up to that quality. Yeah, exactly. And so basically what it comes down to is uh, Sega needed to kind of change marketing around and figure out how they were going to do things. And they ended up hiring to run Sega of America, uh, Tom Kalinske, who, for anyone unfamiliar with him, he was a big name in, like, that sort of marketing world. He was the guy who pioneered Flintstones vitamins. Um, he was big in marketing Barbie. He's the one who talked Mattel out of abandoning Barbie entirely. Um, he was the push behind He-Man. Like, he, in that space of toys, Pretty big he deal. was the guy. Pretty big deal, yeah, actually. So... so and his name only sounds vaguely like the name of the Unabomber. Exactly. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. Um, and so Sega personally sought him out and literally like ambushed him on vacation in Hawaii. That's, uh, that's a weird way to do that. It, it confronted him on a beach in Hawaii and a Sega executive tracked him down and was like, you need to come back to Japan with me and take a look at this. And from his own personal words, he was ready to say no. And his daughter was like, dad, this guy came all the way from Japan to find you. You need to go see whatever the hell it is he's talking about. I, I would argue that's almost an additional reason to not go. <laughs> not go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it. But thankfully he did go. Um, and from talking with people at Sega of America and sort of getting familiar with the product himself, his first argument was exactly what we just said, which is, these games are bad. Um, yes, well, and as, as it turns out, anyone could have... Like, the, the fact that they had a journey to Hawaii, like, press-gang a guy to come back with them to Japan to tell them that their shitty games are shit. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems a little like... You could have gotten someone local to tell you that, probably. Yeah, I'm sure there are already people there telling them that, but they trusted this guy. Uh, so Tom Kalinske tells them, he goes into a meeting uh, with Sega of Japan, and he basically lays out his plan, which, uh, for anyone familiar with Japanese companies, you'll know they were completely against, which is, he goes, we need to ship the console with our best character. We need to find our best game and ship the console with that. We need to actively attack Nintendo in our ads. Sega does what Nintendo don't, motherfucker! Yeah, he is the guy who was like, we need to go after Nintendo, we need to take that risk, we need to go for the high school college crowd and leave the kids to Nintendo, because they've already got a stranglehold in that market. Despite that being, like, the least Japanese businessy thing to do, 
they all agreed. We brought this guy in, said we were going to let him do whatever he wants and see if it works. So fucking go for so it. it do your thing. So it needed some 90s attitude. Um, then enter one Yuji Naka, who The luminary created... behind Balan Wonderworld. Exactly. Balan <laughs> Wonderworld extravaganza creator um, had created this technology that basically allowed for the insane speed you see in Sonic the Hedgehog games. And the only thing missing was a character to attach it to. Um... So they got a man by the last name of Nilsson, who was working in Sega of America at the time, to look at all these characters that were kind of up and coming for games. They narrowed it down to two that they thought were good and asked him what he thought the best one was, and he picked Sonic the Hedgehog. Didn't one, uh, in my very brief research, one of the other designs ended up becoming Rystar? It was like a, I, it was a it, rabbit. It was not eventually, yes, but it was yeah. not in the front runners. The front runners were this chicken-looking character, okay, and Sonic the Hedgehog. Albeit they made a ton of changes to Sonic, they sort of softened his edges and made him like rounder-looking. Uh, Sonic originally had a supporting cast that was his band that they banded entirely. Oh, he was and he, he, had, he was dating a human woman from the get-go. yes, he, he he had a human girlfriend named Madonna, and they were like. No, this is ridiculous. And everyone in Japan was like, we need the human lady. The- Sonic won't work if he's not. I don't know why I turned to the Jerry Seinfeld for yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that was don't, don't ever do that again. <laughs> need the human lady, Jerry. If uh, if he's not fucking a human lady, which they would circle back around yeah, to they, in 2006. They got that. They, uh, they, they never abandoned that idea. That idea was on someone's whiteboard until 2006. And they were like, now's the time. And then Now's the time. afterwards, they burned the whiteboard. One would hope. They were like, all right, we tried it. It didn't work. They're like, do you think that was the only problem with that game? As far as I can tell, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Like, now let's make Photorealistic it- Dr. Robotnik. Sonic fucks a human lady. Yeah. Masterpiece. I don't... God. Uh, yeah. I don't think you'll ever hear a chomping at the bits for 2006's Sonic the Hedgehog. Fingers crossed. We're only a few... <laughs> It already fits the criteria. We could have done it as early as 2016. 10 years? Is that what we're... Ca- I think we agreed on 10 years. Ugh, that's. I don't think that's... That doesn't feel right. Because I know we're saying games that came out in 2012. So it's like, hey, chomping at the bits. World of Warcraft. Do we want to say... Tw- I mean, actually, I don't think that would be a bad episode. Actually, probably not. You know, so, yeah, you- so as we don't get into how gross... You know, not the point. Yeah, we're we're really losing the uh, we're losing the we're losing the lead here. But yeah, let's get back to Sonic. Yes. So all these changes are made to Sonic, and development uh, begins in 1990. Uh, and the whole idea was Sonic is going to be the mascot character for Nintendo, and the whole for gimmick was for for Sega. Uh, yeah, eventually Nintendo, technically. <laughs> well, when he would meet Mario at the Olympic Games, as is tradition. Yes. Uh, we, what's crazy to me is, so you're saying development began in 1990 and they shipped the game in like mid 1991. Like, it's just amazing yeah. how much less time games took back then. Like when you look at like team size and just what was required, they're just like, okay, from soup to nuts, from opening concept to finished product, 12 to 18 months. It's, it's insane. But what's even more insane and had to be like nerve wracking for Sega is by the time they get Sonic out and in the open and um, they're shipping consoles with Sonic the Hedgehog, Nintendo is releasing the Super Nintendo and shipping it with Super Mario World. Wait, that when did the Super Nintendo come out in America? 
I don't have the exact date written down here, but the timeline, like, they... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Sega of Japan like had a Super Nintendo in their hands and were testing it alongside Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, according to Wikipedia, a website about everything. A website you weren't allowed to use in high school if you're... True. Um, my age. August 23rd, 1991, it came out in America. And it came out in Japan later. Okay, apparently... No, it came out almost a year before. What, what the hell am I saying? 1990. Yes, Sega of Japan sent someone to get a Super Nintendo and send it to Sega of America so they could try it on uh, next to... Like, one of their first marketing strategies when they brought uh, Sonic the Hedgehog to CES that year was at Sega's booth, they set up two TVs, one running running Super Mario World and one running Sonic the Hedgehog so you could see them side by side. So this is like the Pepsi challenge of mascot 16-bit platformers. Don't blow your lead. We're not up to the Pepsi Man episode yet. Oh, true. All right. Uh, I mean, I re- okay. So you were not bored yet. I actually remember the marketing that came out around the 16-bit era of video games. Talk to me about it. It was really the height of 90s edge, like that, like kids wearing like sunglasses and like you see like ads with like kids in like jean jackets going like oh this is so cool this is radical is real... so it was it was rad you agree it really no it really was about like imparting this like attitude and you see it really in sonic as a character like and you point out how like a lot of his features were softened from the initial design but they definitely gave him uh, that 90s attitude and... oh yeah that was always the intent but like some of those original drawings are way more like not you know the rounded belly oh, and the yeah. spikes are way more poignant. What was it I was reading? Um, Probably more like the design. I think his original design harkens a bit more to what you'd see when like Sonic Adventure came around. Yeah, but here, um, it, on the Sonic.fandom.com, so the wikia for Sonic the Hedgehog, it says here that. The mascot that they went to originally was named codenamed Mr. Hedgehog. They renamed him Sonic. Apparently, everything was supposed to be representative of something. The blue was based off the Sega logo. His shoe buckles were based on Michael Jackson. The shoe color based yes. on Santa Claus. And his personality was inspired by future president Bill Clinton's quote unquote get it done attitude, which I don't know how well that ages, but hey, if you, you know, want to design. <laughs> characters based on we would like you to meet sonic's human girlfriend monica Lewinsky, <laughs> you know and or his any other of his animal friends that were on jeffrey epstein's plane yeah yeah no that's that's truly amazing tails yeah. was the pilot of that plane a lot of people don't know tails used to fly jeffrey epstein to and fro the island Ooh, that got dark um <laughs> no like I, when i read that i was like what Okay, though, but like, no, you're you're making this up. I I almost hope that the wikia like someone just made that up. I mean, but you know, whatever. It does seem like a very '90s thing to do. And as someone who was a kid back when Bill Clinton was running for president, I can tell you right now, he came off as cool to a lot of people. So he I played the it. saxophone on Letterman. Yeah, it was pretty rad. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, you know, people were digging that vibe, I guess. But I mean. Okay, so the first Sonic the Hedgehog game. Let's talk about this blue yes. bastard. Let's talk about it a little bit. Um, we, we we took longer to circle than we normally do. Ray, when was the first time you remember playing Sonic the Hedgehog 1? 
Uh, probably at mid nineties at my aunt's house, kind of right after it came out. Um, I didn't actually have any of the 16 bit systems as a kid. We went from a, an original Nintendo to a top loader Nintendo to a PlayStation one. Yeah. That's a hell of a gap. Yeah. So my experience with the 16 bit stuff either was at a friend's house who happened to have a Sega Genesis or, um, Again, my aunt's house where my second cousin had one. So we'd play like Sonic, we'd play like Mortal Kombat. So yeah, compared to what I was used to playing at home, like, you know, Mega Man game, like later Mega Man games, because let's not forget, the SNES might have come out in 1991, but Nintendo was releasing new games for the original NES for years after. Oh, for quite a long time, yeah. Yeah, so the... Like, the only, like, true banger for the SNES at launch was Super Mario World. And it's a packet, so, you know... Yeah. So there really wasn't much to buy for the Super Nintendo, and... Sure. My parents actually had the same um, problem that a lot of parents had at the time. They're like, why would I get this new thing? You have a Nintendo. It still works perfectly well. The idea of... It's funny, actually, when I was researching, I was le- looking into some of that old marketing and stuff, and it's funny how many news reports you see that are, like, oh, covering the yeah. story in that way. And it's like, because this hasn't happened yet. Like, we don't understand the iteration of it yet. Be like, why do you need a new Nintendo? I just bought you a Nintendo. Where, but yeah, whereas now nowadays we're, like, everyone's waiting with bated breath. Like, September's coming, so Apple's going to announce a new iPhone. Ah. Like, yeah. you know, back then, yeah, we just... Back then, everyone still had the mentality, and this is a mentality that's long gone, that things... Of, like, this thing still works, why would I need a new one? And things that are built to last, you know? Yeah. There are refrigerators that were made in the Like, 1960s. countries used to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, like, refrigerators that were made in the 1960s, they still work, and they'll outlive me and you. They consume a ton of electricity, but they still work. There are, uh... Yeah, there are people I know that still have houses with fridges from the 70s. No, and it's like, there. nowadays we do. We have this built-in obsolescence to our stuff. Everything's meant to be disposable. You know, our phones, our TVs, our... Our condoms. Our condoms. Yeah, what the hell? Since when are we not washing and reusing condoms? Our, our, our thick goatskin condoms. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just seems like a waste to have to take all, to kill all these goats for condoms. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. Okay. I love where this conversation's going. Yeah, straight to hell. Um, no, but there was. There was a, the marketing did. It was an uphill battle to convince people to buy these new systems sometimes. And usually it was like, you know, if you had the one friend who had, you know, if their family was better off, be like, oh, I can go to their house because their parents just buy them, you know, the stuff. Usually, so they yeah. don't have to interact with them. So you know, yeah. it's usually at my friend's house or my cousin. So I did. I got to play Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I gotta say, like even looking back, and I played a little bit of Sonic past couple days. I watched a long play just to see the whole thing. Um, it's funny. Like I, we always harp on Sonic Speed, and that was really like a selling point. I feel like Sonic One actually did a really bad job of highlighting that. <laughs> Be 
because yeah, it pr- like the game is very like, stop and start. Yes, more so than Sonic Two for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like hitting a wall and losing all your momentum. Yeah, there's a ton of that, and it's like, okay, what's the point of him being able to go so fast if he's just gonna stop constantly? Yeah. Now it doesn't make a ton of sense. I have to say though, like looking back at the long play in my play, um, Sonic controls well. Uh, yes. Even with the speed. I mean, the technology was actually very impressive for being able to render the game that quickly and that fluidly. And there are very few times the game experiences slowdown. I mean, I wasn't playing on original hardware, so I couldn't tell you if that's, you know, something that was fixed in modern day. But, uh, the like, it's a very pretty game still to this day. The pixel art holds up really, really well. It's really clear. And it's one of those things where... Um... I think a big point of Sega highlighting it next to Super Mario World was the Super Nintendo could make use of a lot more color, but Sonic the Hedgehog still was way more colorful. Oh, yeah. No, Sonic had a ton of color to him. And I have to say, one of my favorite things, uh, especially watching the long play of Sonic 1, uh, was the music. I think the music's yes, still that's what I was... fucking awesome. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get into. The music composed by uh, Masato Nakamura, who was the bassist of the J-pop band Dreams Come True, and like stuck around for a long time doing a lot of Sonic stuff. And um, this is more of a Sonic Two thing, but like Chemical Plant Zone, still a banger. Uh, that that one gets stuck in my head. Sonic Chemical Plant the- Zone is still a banger for sure. Um, but even just like the green hill zone music in sonic one and let it's iconic and let's the invincibility music it's right up there yes. with the star power music from the old super mario brothers games 150 percent, and like i think it's a good combination of like the speed at which sonic moves feels like rhythmic with the speed of almost every track in a sonic hedgehog game yeah, and that's just such like a good marriage it, there. It was something they didn't get perfect in the first one. I think the music was far it's better in two. Far, yeah, the music was far better than the level design in one. But you could tell what they were going for. But also, I want to point out one of my favorite parts of Sonic because, again, like I said, the platforming was a little hit or miss for me because of the stopping and starting. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think, still think to this day, the uh, special stages in Sonic 1 are the best special stages of any 2D Sonic game. The ca- really? The cast- they are so trippy. Like, they, the music is like... The music is like the, almost lullaby-like, but then also vaguely threatening. Because then you see yeah. those like exit circles and you're trying to like get away from it while this like very calm music's going on. No, I actually liked it, and I feel like it sort of uh, played to um, the constantly moving nature of Sonic very well, and I think it did it better than Sonic 2's, which was very frustrating, but still better than Sonic 3's. Yeah, Sonic 2's are very frustrating, but I always feel like Sonic 2's bonus levels are more of a like, hey, get a load of this shit. Sonic 2 was definitely showing off 3D technology, but that's also, we'll get into that, because that's really, I think, a a part and parcel with sega nintendo kind of trying to one-up each other in that nascent 3d graphics space for sure for sure that's definitely a big part of it um but no i think sonic one had uh decent level design amazing music pretty uninspired bosses i think that was also a thing that gets really fixed for sonic 2 is the Mm -hmm. boss design is just a lot better i wanted to um 
note before we move on to Sonic 2 and kind of get into the improvements it made. Um, another notable thing that comes along with Sonic the Hedgehog is that uh, during Sonic the Hedgehog's development, Mark Cerny established the Sega Technical Institute in California. Oh, um, okay. Which was founded basically because as part of Tom Kalinske's push, what he really wanted for Sega was to develop more games in America because he wanted to adapt more American properties from comics, TV, movies, and did not think Japan had the understanding of those properties to do it successfully. That's actually super interesting. I mean, Mark Cerny is still a big name when it comes to technical development. He works for PlayStation now. He's And this is, yes, yeah. yeah. That, that's why I wanted to bring it up, because establishing STI is basically where he made his name, like, known. Establishing STI just sounds weird. Yeah, that's why I said it that way. I wanted you to comment on it. <laughs> like, I just like, oh, it's like when you hear commercials for like the Universal Technical Institute, like come apply at UTI. It's like, no, thank you. Um, no, uh, I do want to. I, I want to ask you though, Rich. You know, you ask usually the rest of us. What's your experience playing the original Sonic the Hedgehog? Well, I being as old as I am, uh, that uh, Sonic came out before I was born. Um, I was probably like 96 or so. Literally the day I played Sonic the Hedgehog 1, I also played Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So So you're like, oh, I immediately played the better game. Exactly. It kind of became a, well, I don't need this shit. Um, Now, I mean, this is interesting because, okay, so this is maybe a difference in age, but maybe also just preferences. Like, my parents were never interested in playing the video games that we had. Um... Sure. Did your parents play some video games? Yes, we had like an Atari in the house growing up that was my parents from back in the day. Uh, we got the NES because my parents wanted to get it. And then from there, like me and my sister would trade it in to get an SNES. We'd get an N64 after that. We get a PlayStation 1 after so that. So you pretty much always had games in the household, even before like your family. I was born into a household that already had video games. Yeah, see, that I think that's a big difference. And also, but... Def- but video games were still a new idea. Oh, for sure. But it, it also helped, though. Like, you, you know, your parents probably weren't as into, like, oh, your thing works perfectly well already. We don't need to get the new thing. Yeah, they had already bought, like, upgraded an Atari and stuff. Like, they, they kind of understood it. Yeah, so that's actually pretty cool. So, yeah, you were you were really born into the thick of, like, that 16-bit generation. Thick. Yes, thick. But, um... Because, you know, you were born in, what, 92? So then by the time you're five years old, the PlayStation is new, the N64 is new. I was born into a world where we already knew that Sega did what Nintendo don't. Exactly. God, that marketing was just so, like... So 90s. So 90s. So fucking 90s. I mean, and you even see it, though. I mean, because, okay, so Sonic has that 90s attitude where he taps his foot if um you're just standing idle yeah he gets impatient he points to the watch he's not wearing yeah or like you know he they just they try to give him attitude and that's something that they use really to distinguish him from mario because mario always was kind of a blank slate yes luigi's the interesting one yeah but even you know mario had you know cartoons and stuff and you know eventually sonic did too and i think it's worth talking about those in this episode because they are very much based in that one and two idea yeah um some of them some, i mean the, there was two i remember that were actually running in the u.s at the same time and i think jaleel white voiced sonic in both of them you know that's correct Steve Urkel. 
Yes. I'm going to let you run with that for half a second because I think my dog stole something from me and I haven't decided if I'm going to edit this out yet. Okay. So Rich's dog stole something from him. Okay. So let's talk about the Sonic cartoons while Rich is away. So the first cartoon, I think the one that was actually remembered more fondly is very much a not serialized cartoon is Jaleel White playing Sonic the Hedgehog. It was him and Tails and just their adventures having to deal with Dr. Robotnik and his robot uh, sidekicks. Scratch, I think, was the chicken. And Grounder was a robot with drills for hands. It was just a funny little cartoon. Then there was the other one, which had more of a serialized, uh, mature tone, where, like, Dr. Robotnik's trying to, like, take over the world. He's pretty, like, grim and evil-seeming, and Sonic is trying to protect his uh, forest you know creature like haven i don't know they were decent cartoons but here we are waiting for rich so i guess the dog did steal something because he's still gone he really needs to clean up his recording space i mean you know rich is just being kind of a slob here i think we're okay okay good i was just comment i just just briefly described the cartoons but then i also said that you need to clean up your recording space why what's wrong with it you're a messy boy rich why? What's messy about no, this? Nothing really. I, I was thinking of making up some horrible stuff. Be like, what is that blood on the rug? Yes, that is. It's my blood. Some of it. Some of it, others. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. <laughs> that was the implication. Yeah, the cartoons, they were decent. And you know what, though? I think it's very worth noting that it's showing how Sega really was willing to combat Nintendo on every front in this world. Cartoons... And comics that are still running. Yeah, the Archie comics. They're fucking better than the games. British people love those. They're better than the goddamn games. British people, why do you love Sonic comics? I I feel like Europe has a fondness for Sega normally. Yeah. Well, that's because we've been over this. We talked about this with Eric now that he's British and he understands that. That, like, they didn't know what video games were. They were like, I'm going to go to the chemist and buy Dropsy. Like, that's nonsense. Yeah, you know, play Mr. Do. Well, don't talk shit about Mr. Do. Uh, <laughs> I'll fucking kill you. Mr. Do episode incoming. Uh, yeah, like, Sonic became this popular culture juggernaut up to the point that it's... There are kids that just know Sonic from the very successful major motion pictures, plural. Well, the major motion pictures... Um... Uh, frankly probably there's a bunch of kids out there who's like who just knew him from smash brothers because he's been in smash yeah. since what brawl yes we, brawl the, was the, the first yes correct super smash brothers brawl brought sonic to the forefront yeah so i mean let's talk about this as sonic as a character because it really is like a uh big he's a big deal like he was a creation he's very much a 90s creation and even though they've tried to chain him up a couple times i feel like they always end up circling back to almost that initial 90s attitude where like he's supposed to be like a little rude but like still there's a certain there's a certain version of that that's built into the dna that i don't think you can really get away from yeah i mean i've i haven't seen some of the other stuff like i've never watched like sonic boom where they're just covering everyone up in gauze for some reason but um it does it seems like the character like that personality is kind of baked into the dna of the concept yeah, I would agree with that. But in any case, let's go on to the best 
Sonic game ever made, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. The Hedgehog 2, yes. All right, let's get into this bad boy. Sonic 2 was released on November 21st, 1992, worldwide. This was a big deal. Worldwide releases, I mean, are still, this was, still a big deal today. This was the first one ever. First video game ever worldwide release. Worldwide release. In fact, uh, most people believe, like, it, there's got to be some grain of truth to this. In marketing, that day was marketed as Sonic Tuesday. And people who are into games will know most game releases for many, many years happened on Tuesdays outside of Friday stuff. Yeah. And a lot of, like, marketing people be like that's because of sonic i could because sonic 2 scheduled its worldwide release date for a tuesday i could see that no and yeah to this and it just stuck to this day tuesday is still the game day yeah for the most part yeah well what is in america uh comics come out on like what wednesdays i believe wednesdays or, i'm trying or to think i feel also. like i when i was still going to comic shops locally i used to go to stinky's on thursday so maybe it was like when wednesday and i couldn't get there until thursday i don't know okay um, but yeah, no, so Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is a game that, like, it actually went the opposite route of what Nintendo did a generation previous, where I feel like every sequel to a successful game that was released uh -huh. in America got so far away from the original concept, it was almost unrecognizable. But Sonic 2 is just pure iteration on... Yeah, that's that's my point, it is, it's pure and iteration. It It is... <sighs> And it was at that time, like you were saying, the thing was back then, like, people didn't know what a sequel was for vi for a video yeah, game like, in that what sense. what was a sequel to a video game? Look at The Legend of Zelda and then Legend of Zelda 2, Adventures Link. Zelda, yeah, Zelda is very much a victim of that. In in the, the modern day, uh, I have uh, sort of an appreciation for Zelda 2. It's, I have an appreciation for the fact that they tried something different. I, I don't like it still but it's super it. obtuse i like what they were going for in the same way that i like uh simon's quest yeah but even like you know in japan they got mario 2 which is for us the lost levels but for us mario 2 again couldn't have been any different it wasn't until mario 3 and then probably the jump between mario 3 and super mario world is probably where it felt the most familiar yes whereas if you played Sonic 1, you know exactly what you're getting into with Sonic 2. It is the same thing with tighter levels, killer music, and the addition of... Miles Prower. Oh, oh, wait, I... Do you fucking get it? <laughs> oh, oh, shit, now I feel stupid. Holy shit! Miles Tails Prower. His name is Miles Per Hour. Yeah, he's a fox with two tails. Um, did you know this game actually had a plot? No one does. Which again, I'm getting this from the Sonic fandom wikia, so this could be absolutely. So one guy did this. Hit me with okay, it. Okay, this is um, okay. While out looking for new adventures in his personal plane, the tornado, Sonic the Hedgehog discovers West Side Island, a small island with a pleasant meadow. Landing on the island to relax, Sonic slides his tornado into the shadow of West Side Island, drawing a white arc with exhaust smoke. However, he does not pay attention to the fact that a certain metallic flying object has been chasing him and suspiciously lands on the other side. Now, there's a huge description here of this whole story and how, like, Tails runs into him and stuff like that. And apparently tails like his story is that he's good with machines and he tweaks sonic 
Sonic's plane to where he puts these boosters on it that even though it's a propeller plane, it can now go at the speed of sound. Which... Yeah, because Sonic. Yeah, but it's a propeller plane, so sure. Correct. Um, but Yuji Naka figured out how. You, and the answer was because Sonic. Yuji Naka finds a way. Uh, That's what Jeff Goldblum was talking exactly. about. Exactly. Um, this game is, I think, the best Sonic game that's ever been made. I'm not a fan of the 3D Sonics. I'm not just... Same same here. I, I, uh, It's insane to me to this day that, you know, they made, like, two good Sonic games, stopped for a long time, and then uh, made Sonic Mania. Well, I was going to say, and then they had to have a bunch of fans make the next good one. Yeah, it was a crazy move. Please ignore me fishing something out of my dog's mouth. Um... No, Sonic 2 probably has the best level design out of any Sonic game ever, um, featuring my favorite zone, as the games are called, the uh, Casino Zone, the Casino Night Zone. I'm going to pause you right there. Hold tight. Okay, so we're pausing. We're pausing. Rich is going to fight with his dog. Oh, amazing. The dog stood up on his hind legs and is now actually boxing Rich like a kangaroo. Oh, holy shit, the dog is winning. Oh, I think he broke Rich's nose. Okay, Rich is on the ground. And the dog is standing over him as if triumphant in battle. Um, Rich is back. He has a bloody nose. The dog clearly broke his nose. Uh, I'm so, so sorry. So sorry. This is an abusive relationship we have here. Yeah, I was um, describing how your dog stood up on his hind legs and was boxing you like a man. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And the dog won. He, uh, so you were saying <laughs> Casino Night Zone, which clearly in, is uh, inspired by the fact that, uh, for anyone who wasn't picking up on this, uh, a lot of Sonic's level design is like clearly a pachinko machine. Yeah. Yeah, and Sonic, uh, this is a big theme with Sonic, and you get into it with one of his uh, spinoff games. Sonic rolls into a ball. In a lot of his stuff. That's a good joke. Spin off? Spin uh, ball? Uh, actually, not what I was going for. Shut up. Um, he rolls into a ball for a lot of his moves. And actually, one of the things that was added to Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is probably one of the most important advances in the control scheme for the Sonic. The spin dash. Yeah. The spin dash, It by ducking and hitting one of the jump buttons, Sonic starts spinning in a tight ball and gets up to speed a lot faster. Yeah, he's just building up pure momentum from a it basically just lets him build up speed and launch himself in his ball form and it is awesome the only iteration i think that's comparable to that is like which we're not going to talk about here today much is in sonic cd he has the same ability but from a standing position as well oh, okay yeah yeah um also this game um again banger music from start to finish the level design is the best the series ever saw and will ever see um I do think the special stages for Sonic 1 are better than Sonic 2's, but Rich, why don't you describe the uh, Chaos Emerald stages for Sonic 2? So yeah, the Chaos Emeralds in Sonic uh, 2 are interesting and are very much more of a technical showpiece. Basically, uh, Sonic and Tails are in like a half pipe, and they are running Tails directly behind Sonic's back, and you're dodging obstacles and catching rings and launching yourself up and down this half pipe in an attempt to get to the end and get a Chaos Emerald. And like you said, they're not quite as, I don't think, mechanically sound as the first game, 
but they're they're a technical showpiece. They want to show off these 3D models, this different perspective. Yeah. Uh, they're very cool in that they regard. They were cool, but also the way you access them was different. So in Sonic 1, to access a special stage, you needed to beat the level with at least 50 rings in your possession. Also, we didn't really get into this. Sonic, since the first game, has had a session with gold rings. Um, so yeah. long as he has at least one ring in his possession, he's essentially unkillable. Um. He is God. Yeah, he'll drop the rings, and you can pick up some of them that get dropped. So say like, say you have fifty-eight rings, you get hit, you lose all of them, but you'll get the chance. Everybody knows that bing sound when Sonic takes a hit, and the rings like fly. And everyone knows the ring sound if they've been to a modern gas station. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, okay, so if you have 50 rings at the end of a stage in Sonic 1, you can jump into a giant ring, and then that's how you access the stage. Whereas in Sonic 2, a returning element is mid-stage checkpoints. There's several in each stage. If you have at least 50 rings when you hit one of the checkpoints, a glowing halo of stars starts encircling the checkpoint, and if you jump into that halo, you access the special stage. Now, what's interesting about this is... This actually allows you to access multiple special stages in one level of Sonic. Because once you leave one of these special stages, everything in the level resets. The enemies, the boxes, the rings. So you can recollect 50 rings, go to a different checkpoint, and access the next special stage. I always wonder how much of that is intentional and how much of that had to do with Genesis's memory. You can actually, in Sonic 2, acquire all of the Chaos Emeralds in the first world. The Green Hill Zone, I think it's called, that one. Is the first wor- is the first zone Green Hill Zone in Sonic 2, Rich? Yes, I. It's it's. it might not be exactly called Green Hill Zone, but at the very least it's a purely a variation of Green Hill Zone. Yeah, so point is, you can actually collect all the Chaos Emeralds in the first set of zones in Sonic 2. Yeah. And what happens is, in Sonic... But don't waste your time, because Chemical Plant Zone fucking slaps. Yeah, but I mean, the fun part about the collecting all the chaos emeralds especially in two is once you get 50 rings in sonic 2 if you have all the chaos emeralds you turn into supersonic yes and supersonic is invincible and literally looks like a super saiyan version of sonic i was gonna say yes uh the team at sega of america saw dragon ball z and we're like let's do that yeah it's his all of his hair turns from blue to yellow and stands up more literally like a super saiyan and instead of you might remember this from spoiler the end of sonic the hedgehog's second motion picture i I actually the funny thing is i actually haven't seen any of those movies yet he he turns into supersonic at the end of that movie okay spoiler alert jesus christ ass that movie all shadows in the post credits oh fuck you um i if i this is my only chance to tell that story where when i went to see sonic the hedgehog 2 in theaters with my buddy gabe uh, a theater filled with children. At the end, in the post credits, when Shadow the Hedgehog appeared, I heard an adult man go, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> in the middle of this children's movie. <laughs> yeah. That's that's phenomenal. I like that a lot. Uh, but yeah, no, Supersonic is an interesting mechanic because he is—he's completely invincible. But your ring count ticks down, where you lose a ring every second, and once you hit that go back to zero rings you turn back in the regular sonic this can be mitigated by picking up more rings to keep the counter going just keep yeah exactly 
like filling up a stamina bar. Yeah. So the interesting thing is at that point, if you do manage to get all the chaos emeralds in the first set of levels, you can, you know, trivialize pretty much the rest of the game. Yes, absolutely. You know, because he is, he's invincible. Now I have to say this game features a lot better boss design. Um, one thing I noticed though, with the end of Sonic one and Sonic two that I find is very incongruous with the character Dr. Robotnik, as he was known in America at first, he's now referred to worldwide as Dr. Eggman. Eggman, yeah. Um, He runs away from Sonic in both those games, and Sonic gives chase and doesn't catch him. Yeah. Like, Robotnik is able to keep up in a foot race against people have people have have done the math on this to try and figure out how fast Dr. Eggman must be. Like, Sonic is not the fastest thing alive. It is this rotund scientist. Yeah, so, I mean, I, ju- I, just, I found that very odd. It was kind of like this thing I saw on Twitter the other day where someone put a clip up from a Thomas the Tank Engine book where it said Thomas looked back, and they just asked, how? How? <laughs> I like to imagine that Thomas's face can, like, fade from the front and reappear in the back. That's, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's why I like to imagine it that way. Um, no, so somehow Dr. Robotnik, Dr. Eggman, is able to escape from Sonic the Hedgehog on foot, yes. get into his yeah. machine, and blast off into space, where then Sonic chases him again and fails to capture him. Yeah, there's a it's a plot hole. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a much better game. Uh, I really can't... It, it, the funny thing is, like, what can we really say about it? It's just a very well-designed 16-bit platformer. It's it's an iteration, and it, I think for me it'll always be the best Sonic game. Like, there there are things they're trying in later sequels that I appreciate, but I don't think land as well. No, not nearly as well. Um, the level design was perfect. The music was damn amazing. And it did. It, it provided some uh choice like like what i brought up about the chaos emeralds if you knew how the game worked you could play around with your progression yeah yeah absolutely um now one thing i think that's worth bringing up and that um is pretty much universally reviled i feel like for old sonic games um Mm -hmm. water mechanics yes those levels (laughs) suck yeah so for those of you who've played these old games you know for those who don't Apparently, Yuji Naka believed wrongly back when designing this game that hedgehogs were unable to swim, so they made it so Sonic cannot swim. He just sinks to the bottom. And he loses all speed. Again, another example of the early game just... Of the thing that's cool about this game and you are taking it away. Yeah. um, And now Sonic has an unseen breath meter. So you can drown in these games. They're, it's all done by audio cues. Yes. Um, the way you have to avoid drowning is... Sorry, deaf people. Yes, is by sucking in these large bubbles that are in parts of the water stages that are... it does, it, And it, it just does, again, it serves to just slow down the gameplay. The only thing I like about those stages is the sound Sonic makes when he, t- he absorbs a bubble. Oh, I thought you were going to say you like it when he drowns. That too. Um, I like it when Tails drowns in the background. Yeah. Now, I also believe with Sonic Sonic 2, you are able to change uh, where you could play. Normally, when you're playing one player, it's Sonic and Tails out on the field. And player 2, if there's a second controller in the Sega Genesis, can actually control Tails. 
Yes. Uh, the computer will pick up control again very quickly if someone stops putting in inputs. Um, but it's worth noting, Tails has some funny abilities that play in tandem with Sonic if you know what you're doing. Like, he can fly. He can fly by double tapping the jump button, and he can actually carry Sonic. Sonic, yeah. Also, you could play the game as just Sonic or just Tails. Tails. Um, and in which case, Tails could still fly. He actually, the funny thing is... You can fly over entire levels. Fly over entire levels, and he runs just as fast as Sonic, so functionally, Tails is a better character. Character, yeah. Like, there are no downsides <laughs> by playing just there's, as Tails. There's zero drawback to being Tails. There are only benefits. Yeah, so I don't know if that was, like, intentional or what, but, like, it's just funny because even when we get into the bad 2D games that come up, Sonic is the worst character in every single one of his games. Yeah, as we get into the other ones later, like, especially once you have the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge and can just plug it into these other games and be Knuckles, that's always better. Yeah, like, Sonic is literally the worst character in his own games. Because all the other characters are Sonic plus new cool idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there's really not much else to say, but besides the fact it's worth noting as everyone knows these sonic the hedgehog movies have blown up they're huge it's a huge kids franchise now um and the character is not a new one but his staying power to especially longtime video game fans and people who pay attention to video games being made and whether or not they're good this is probably somewhat surprising yeah it's pretty timeless yeah like and the funny thing is is people just got used to just writing off Sonic. Like... Oh, yeah, he was a joke for a very long time. The, it still kind of but is. But the game's always sold. Like, you look yeah. at like Sonic Boom. It was its own cartoon that did very well. And now, again, these movies with... Uh, and Jim Carrey might be retiring, so there's going to be a whole generation now of kids. To, to them, Jim Carrey is Dr. Eggman. Dr. Eggman. Like, that's nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, no, his staying power has been surprising. It's undeniable. It's, yeah, undeniable. And you know what, though? Good on Sega for sticking with it through the good times and the bad, because the bad were real fucking bad. They were real. The lows are low. Yeah. And, uh, like, and the funny thing is, their highs, I wouldn't put anywhere near the highs you get with like the best Mario games. Agreed. Like, Sonic 2 is fun. The music is, again, the best part, just like Sonic 1. But if I was to put, like, Sonic 2, which is the highest high, against, what, maybe one of my least favorite Mario games? Like, they tried to take down Mario by making a cooler character, but I think somewhere along the way, they just never made a better game. Agreed. There, There's a lot more ideas that just kind of fall flat or due to other design issues like get in their own way again you're supposed to be but going there's fast, something there you, that you works. hit a wall yeah no and it's it's colorful it's bright the sprite was huge for the time like that sonic sprite on a tv was a big sprite in 1991 so oh absolutely it was triple the size of mario yeah, so sega's really showing off some like technical chops because we're modern day video games we're not used to that but like sprite sizes that's something that had to be tightly controlled because of memory constraints on a system it was a big deal yeah a very big deal no and that's why you see like the difference between like say uh even on the super nintendo the difference in um say final fantasy 4 and chrono trigger in those sprites that was a big deal there's just the detail and the size and stuff 
they changed a lot and that required physical changes to carts it wasn't like nowadays um you know a uh, game ships on a nintendo switch cart they're like oh did they pony up for the 32 gig chip or the 64 gig chip yeah back then they had to physically add things like ram chips onto carts that would physically drive up th- these physical additions would drop the cost of producing them, and that would be passed on to the consumer yes which is why there was really no steady video game price back then. Like, one of the things I always go to where people talk about video games used to be cheaper, I think Donkey Kong 64 was like a $90 game at launch. Super Nintendo games were $90. Uh, Chrono Trigger, I think, was like $85. Yep. Um, and a lot of the, the mindset back then with big games like Chrono Trigger was, I'm getting a lot of game here, so it's worth $90. You're getting a lot of game there, but it really was like a physical thing and it wasn't until we moved on to the playstation with cds um playstation games by and large were standard at 40 dollars, unless it was a multi-disc game then it was 50 yeah uh but if you were buying a single disc game if you were buying a i don't know resident evil it was 40 dollars. yeah no so super nintendo games and genesis games could be quite expensive back then and Sega was showing they were showing off like having such a colorful bright well-sounding game is back then was a technological flex yeah absolutely and it paid off clearly look again it's it just blows me away and the funny thing is Mario is still like the better video game character but I am still wondering how Nintendo is going to make Mario into a compelling movie character Whereas that remains to be seen. Sonic was a much easier translation and as much like those movies are not for me, but I've seen them both and can admit like those they're those both those films are better than they have any right to be. Yeah. No, it's it's a mega franchise now and it's going to be what, you know, keeps the lights on for Ben Schwartz for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd do fine without it, but good for him still. Oh, but I'm saying he probably never has to do another role. If he oh, no, it. you're probably right. My, my immediate thought was I think he'd do fine. He's a very funny oh, man. He's a very funny man. But this is this is like this is the big checks. This is the royalty. Oh, this hell yeah. Like, he is. He is Sonic the Hedgehog. That's a big that's deal. That's a huge deal. Dad. And I 10 years ago, if you said to me, so and so playing Sonic the Hedgehog is a big deal for them. I'd be like, why was their career going that badly? Sean Ralphio is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I feel like the padding it out at this point. I don't think there's much else to say. They're decent games. No, I think we. Uh, nor- I think we can just move into our end caver, which is usually. I'll just go first. I, if you have the means and it's very easy at this point, these games are kind of everywhere. Uh, Sonic One and Two are very worth going back to just to see where they were. Even if you don't run all the way through, you don't necessarily need to. But just seeing where the series started. You can grab them on Steam in those Genesis collections. There's I think new, there's some there's new. There's a new collection out. There's a new. Yeah, there's a new collection that just dropped. They're, They're on. Are they on the Switch Online for the Sega Genesis with the expansion pass? I believe so. Yes. Also, uh, these games have very easy cheat codes. If you want to, you know, experience all of the game. Uh, like for instance, what am I on Sonic Two? Uh, you could. There is a act select meaning a stage select you can give yourself more continues you can give yourself all the chaos emeralds so if you want to play around with the games it's not hard to it's open to you yeah it's and they're not hard on their own but it you know if you just want to dick around with them this is probably the best way to do it absolutely like so the act select is weird though at the option sound test play the following tunes in order 19 65 9 and 17 that's 
It's very weird. Yeah, it's like a Resident Evil puzzle. It's like, oh, hey, play Moonlight Sonata. <laughs> no, I don't know how to play Moonlight fucking Sonata. Uh, so on that note, uh, I'm going to do the plugs, which are, if you enjoy this show and somehow haven't found the others, we have a bunch of other shows. There's uh, the Chompcast, our weekly normal podcast where we get together and talk about video games. There is Chomping After Dark, our spoiler cast where we spoil movies, video games, comics, and of course, Evoking the Sublime, an interview show hosted by one Shay Layton. And I think under the Evoking Sublime, under the Evoking Sublime banner, uh, one Ray McGill might have something in the works at the moment, which is going to be very cool. Um, but uh, yeah, we took July off because summer's been busy, but uh, we will be back with something next month. We don't know what yet, but thank you guys for listening. Ray, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk about the blue blur with me. The blue blur. We didn't mention Chili Dogs once. How did we get... We didn't. It's That's a that come, that's a comic book thing, I feel like. Yeah, I just feel like it's weird that we went this whole time. Sonic likes Chili Dogs. Yeah, in any case... You know, go play the games if you haven't. Just try them. They're good. They're, they're, good. they're good. Yeah, like I'm not saying go out of your way to play. Like, go buy a complete in box thing. Although Sega, Sega Genesis boxes are really easy. To come I have, by. I have a Sonic Two in box. It, 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 Sonic Hedgehog Two in box. It was not that expensive no. at at the time. This was years ago. It still isn't now. Those boxes will outlive me, you, and our great grandchildren. That's the plan. All right. So this is chomping at the bits. I am one Ray McGill, and I'm Rich Meister, and we'll see you guys next month. Hopefully with more folks in tow to talk with us.